This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and your host here on Ringler Radio. Well, if you've picked up the paper recently or watched the news, you're certainly aware that we've fallen on some hard economic times. And today on Ringler Radio, we'll be talking about the importance of financial strength in the insurance industry as we try and maneuver through these rough economic waters. So let's introduce our guest. Uh, Joining me today uh, first is Ron McHugh, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Fixed Products for John Hancock Financial Services. Among other roles, Ron has overall management responsibility for manual life financials fixed annuity businesses in the United States, and he's also the president of John Hancock Life Insurance Company of Vermont, as well as a trustee with the Boston Harbor Association. That seems like a full plate, Ron. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Larry. Uh, And our other guest, also from uh, Hancock, is uh, Betty Gregware. She's a sales executive and certified structured settlement consultant with John Hancock Structured Settlements. Betty entered the structured settlement industry in 1991 and has experience with both the broker and the provider side of the business. Currently, she's a sales executive with John Hancock Structured Settlements and provides outstanding customer service for producers, mostly west of the Mississippi River. And she helps to resolve claims with periodic payment annuities and, of course, preferably from John Hancock. Right, Betty? Very good. Thank you, Larry. There you go. Well, Ron and Betty, welcome to the show. Thanks again for joining me. And, uh, Ron, let's try to put some perspective on this current crisis. Uh, People are looking at their 401ks. They're wondering what's the best course of action. And, you know, I don't expect anyone to have all the answers. Maybe we can shed some light on some of the brighter spots, especially now since uh, the election's been decided. Give us a little insight. Uh, Well, uh, you know, I certainly can uh, address things at a high level. But, um, you know, the market turmoil, one of the nice things about the market turmoil is it's been a very good time to be in fixed products. Uh, Basically, uh, people who buy the structured settlements, they get a lifetime income uh, from an insurance company. And pretty much they've been insulated from a lot of the problems uh, Mm -hmm. that have occurred uh, through the purchase of that lifetime uh, uh, guarantee. Uh, and it, so what a very good time for them to be in there. But there is a lot going on in the market, and there's probably a lot. It's going to be a long time before we're really through all of this in it. I mean, we still can see we're going to continue to see consolidation in the banks, especially with the uh, larger players in the banks, uh, many arranged marriages uh, arranged by the government, with the government providing a dowry to the uh, purchaser. That's a good way to uh, put it. And other things like that. I don't think you're going to see that same order of things in the insurance industry. The insurance industry is actually faring very well here. Uh, we had much more limited exposure to subprime. Uh, we uh, really didn't do that much in cre- uh, credit default swaps. They're much more regulated industry. Uh, credit risk has been well managed, and it's always been very well quantified. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're immune to what's going on in the markets. Uh, we, we certainly do have, uh, you know, to the extent that assets decline in value, we do invest in a lot of assets, and, and you know, we're going to suffer in the short term with that. 
but I don't think you'll see the calamity in the insurance industry that's going on uh, with the markets. Well, uh, when you look at uh, Hancock and how they've responded to this and obviously look closely at what they're doing, uh, what has it meant in terms of the investment philosophy at John Hancock or at Manual Life? What, what, what has happened differently than might have happened prior to this, uh, this, this period we're in right now? Are you, are you looking at more conservative investment philosophy overall, or, or, or are you still staying the course in what you typically were invested in already? We're still staying the course. I mean, we pretty much have a, a broadly diversified investment portfolio. Uh, we do a lot of uh, corporate risks, uh, credit risks. They're very well diversified. Amongst industries, we do do private placements and commercial mortgages that give us collateral if there's a problem. Uh, so uh, there's really no reason to change uh, on the asset side to the extent that you're doing those plain, pure vanilla kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, where people have gotten into trouble is when they've taken steps away from sort of their their major knitting and has been in the insurance industry, it appears to have been more on the edge in some of the subprime or uh, RMBS, residential mortgage-backed securities, uh, that have either run into problems with uh, a concern on whether or not they're still money-good investments or in the liquidity of them. But the insurance industry, very well capitalized going into these problems, a lot of liquidity on the insurance company's balance sheets, no on-demand deposits like you have at the banks, and uh, they're all basically sitting on a ton, a lot of the major companies anyway, like Hancock are sitting on a ton of cash, billions and billions of dollars. Cash. Well, and another reason I think that uh, we all in the industry feel so strongly about the uh, the safety and security of what what's being sold by the insurance uh, industry and the life insurance industry particularly is the regulation that each state puts on these companies. Uh, you know, a lot of these problems, Ron, that took place in the subprime and the swaps, a lot of that took place in somewhat of an unregulated area off to the side and some of these, as you said, some of the edges of these companies, some of these companies. Right. Uh, but ultimately, it's the state regulators, it's the, it's the oversight that's really keeping everything in line much more than you could see, for example, in other financial institutions. Is that is that a fair statement? I, I think that's true. But I think you're still going to see just sort of a a knee-jerk reaction of an increase in regulation. Mm-hmm. I think you're also going to see a more continued debate on whether or not the insurance industry should be regulated at the state level or regulated at the national level. Uh, I really don't know how that debate will come out. I think uh, a lot of the large insurers, I think, would like to see a national regulation. Well, you know, I think that's that whole McCarran-Ferguson Act issue. And, and I've heard discussions recently that one of the saving graces of a lot of uh, the companies, the life companies in this economic downturn was the strong individual state regulators versus a national sc- scope, which may have, you know, put everybody in the same pot. Uh, and, and uh, you know, clearly we do have a number of states that are very strong regulators uh, of the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that there's uh, obviously New York and uh, is a very good example of that. I think Illinois, California, uh, Massachusetts, uh you know, but that that being said, it, it, it is sort of uh, when you're filing a product and you have to do 50 filings. Yeah, that's true. Close to one filing, you know, there's uh, uh, there's there. Now, there are a number of things going on that are actually making some of these processes a little bit more efficient, uh, and maybe that will address some of the uh, industry's needs. But for the most part, I will say that, you know, you've got uh, a lot of financial uh, regulation of the banks that didn't really appear to work. Yeah, exactly. Regulation on the bank side, whereas the state regulation does look like it's holding up for uh, protection.
protecting the shareholders, uh, policyholders. Exactly. Well, as, as you said, the run on the banks is a lot uh, more easy to do than and something like that with an insurance company. Right. And, well, that's, and that's sort of a natural state for the insurance industry versus the banking industry. The banking industry is much more in short-term deposits. The insurance industry is much more in uh, sort of those long-tailed uh, contracts that we issue. Well, Bet- Betty, let's let's talk about structured settlements and how this economic climate has uh, affected uh, the structured settlement industry. That, as you see it, as you go around the country, uh, especially uh, in the offices and the folks that you deal with, tell me tell me how the uh, economic downturn has affected your ability to to market these products. I, it has definitely helped the marketability of structured settlements for the brokers who are producers out in the field. It's a solution that provides a very secure um, answer to a situation they're in in getting resolution to the claims that they're facing. It's giving them that security that those payments will be there what they agree to in the future. So it, it definitely um, has pushed more business to the structured settlement um, marketplace with that security and because of the volatility in the financial markets that where else are they going to take their money and invest it? You know, it's, it's, it's so, you're so right. I mean, I was just in a mediation uh, not long ago, about a week ago, where a, a, a plaintiff attorney was uh, decrying the fact that he had put a lot of money in Lehman Brothers in his uh, 401k and he's, he's lost it. And he was saying, I should have, uh, you know, gotten involved with a lot more of those structured attorney fees that have been sold or, or at least tried to be sold to him over the years. And he, shied away, but I think now he's uh, much more in tune with, you know, the benefits of something like that. So I, I agree, I, and I've seen it even on, you know, in my side of the world as a broker and, and a lot of the other brokers that I speak to that we've got something to really sell now. It's, it's security, it's, uh, and all the things that Ron was talking about in terms of state-regulated, well-capitalized uh, insurance companies. I think that's a, a real plus, and I think we definitely need to, to sell it. And along with that security, it's also a lifetime option that's there that you can take care of them for the remainder of their life, um, which is another um, great security for them to receive as they resolve their claims that they know that they don't have to worry if they're going to run out of money. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing, and I I guess we're all speaking to the choir here with each other, but for the audience, I think the rate of return, uh, especially in a structured settlement setting with a tax-free benefit to the claimant, is is significant in this in this marketplace. So I think we uh, we have something to even in a downturn where we're obviously would love to see the economy turn around and, and things become uh, you know, maybe like they were prior to uh, this this com- this past year. We now have an opportunity to really produce on the structured settlement side and really help people uh, much more than we ever did. Let's talk about the rating services. Uh, you know, one of the things I run into uh, Betty or Ron is. Uh, Everyone's concerned about what's the rating, uh, AAA or A++ or w- whatever that is. And uh, there's some skepticism about whether these rating services have, have done a good job in terms of providing an accurate assessment of the strength uh, of these companies. Have, what have you seen in that, in that arena? And uh, how do the rating services deal with you folks at Hancock? Well, they, uh, you know, we deal with the rating agencies on a very regular basis. Uh, basically, we have... Uh, uh, annual meetings, and uh, we have a regular touch uh, with them. Uh, some of the discussions occur, uh, you know, manual, John Hancock is basically the U.S. Uh, operations of Manual Life, 
And so uh, some of that occurs in Toronto at our headquarters for Manual Life, and some of it occurs in Boston, uh, where we sort of sit down and tell them uh, basically what's going on in our businesses and uh, in our product lines and uh, in our portfolios. Uh, and uh, basically, we those discussions are extensive. But you got to go back to uh, uh, sort of the genesis. If you go back and and look in the late 80s when uh, the industry was first rated, uh, a lot of those ratings when they first came out really were biased very much in the uh, upward end. Uh, you know, you're talking about about 30 companies had ratings, virtually all of them AAA. And I think there was a learning curve for the rating agencies uh, in learning what the uh, issues were for an insurance company that were different from the other kinds of credits that they were rating. And, uh, you know, I think in the early 90s, there were a lot of downgrades. Actually, Manu uh, John Hancock and Manulife, I think, were both companies that were uh, downgraded separately. I can speak more to John Hancock, that's where I was. But uh, we were downgraded in the uh, early 90s from AAA uh, to more of a AA level. And uh, basically, we had that rating for a number of years uh, until uh, right after the merger with Manulife. When we, about a year after that, uh, we were then viewed as a core part of the company. And uh, we were uh, given the very broad diversification of the businesses. Uh, we did uh, get our rating put up to AAA. But they look at a lot of factors, and, and those factors have evolved over the years. And uh, there's, you know, any mistakes that were made in the early years, I think they've uh, since corrected. But uh, they look at the liquidity uh, of the company. They look at the capital level. They look at the quality of management. Uh, they look at uh, the risk management parts of the enterprise and uh, really do quite a bit to uh, evaluate them from a number of different angles. And a lot of it is, you know, the ratings, uh, they're, they're relative as well as absolute uh, in that they give you a pretty good rank for uh, which companies have uh, the best overall practices, the best overall capital, the best overall management team, uh, the best overall market positions. Uh, and they also give you a relative uh, measure within the uh, uh, industry as well as an overall view in the uh, industry as well. And uh, actually, I think one of the rating agencies recently put the uh, industry on negative outlook, which means it's probably a slight bias towards downgrades rather than upgrades on it. But uh, uh, basically, the insurance industry still is a very, very highly rated industry. you got to remember, we're in the trust business, uh, putting uh, our guarantee on something that maybe can go on 50, 70, maybe even 100 years in the structured settlement market. Uh, we sell trust. Uh, in order to get that trust, you really need the highest level of ratings that the industry uh, offers, the AAAs, the AA's, the A++'s, the A-pluses from AM Best, et cetera. Well, that, that's true. You know, what I run into, and, and Betty probably runs into this too, is uh, from time to time you'll get somebody questioning the let's say, the validity of some of these ratings predicated on, you know, the fact that in the past some of these highly rated companies had problems and there, there's a whole questioning of the rating services and how, it, how it's all done. And can, can the public rely on the ratings to be reflective of, you know, the strength of, of, of the, the financial strength of the company being rated? And I, I think that's one of the issues that I think is going to be discussed uh, broadly over the next few months to make sure that everything's being looked at in the proper way and that and that these relative strength issues are being, uh, you know, properly rated so that we can have faith again in, in that rating system. Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, I think, the, you know, some amount of looking under the veil and, and seeing what's behind that rating, 
uh, uh, is reasonable that it, that occurs in some markets uh, that we see more than others. Uh, and uh, but but generally speaking, you're getting an independent opinion on how it is. Uh, generally speaking, uh, one of the things we've seen recently is in the subprime where rating agencies appear to have gotten it pretty badly incorrect. Right. Or in the CDOs where uh, they got some things pretty badly incorrect. Those are still relatively new markets. Uh, those ratings are not, uh, you know, they're, they're not five, ten years with a hundred years of data behind it. Uh, a lot of them were sort of judgment calls, and those judgments were wrong. In the insurance industry, you do have a longer history, but similar to in the early years in the insurance industry, they got it pretty wrong on a few companies right. uh, in, in the early years of the insurance industry, too. They're still going to make mistakes from time to time, but you know, generally speaking, it's, it's a third-party opinion on, on how you're doing. But you gotta, if, if you look under the veil, uh, it's basically a lot of uh, credit risk with a very long history. The credit risk is very quantifiable unlike some of the kinds of risks that you were looking at in the uh, residential mortgage-backed securities in the subprime space in particular. Those were new instruments that they didn't really have the history on, Right, unlike credit. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and the media feeds into a lot of this, uh, this concern and this, uh, you know, real fear that's out there among the public. I, I had to recently go to a, an individual's home and sit with the family and talk about what they were going to do with their money. I, w- I was obviously trying to get them to, you know, consider putting it in a structure for all the reasons we've, we've discussed this morning here. But, you know, th- what, what, what the grandmother wanted to do was split the money into 10 pieces and put it into 10 different banks, you know, and the grandfather wanted to put it in the hole in the ground. I mean, there's, there's a lot of fear out there. And I think it's important for uh, all of us to, and, and Betty, I'm sure you see this too, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The fact that there are some, problems doesn't mean that the whole industry is is falling apart and uh, there needs to be some faith in the in the fact that the system is still strong and the companies that are writing these annuities for these people's long-term interests are going to be there absolutely those the ratings that they attain from the different agencies there's many ratio analysis and due diligence that is put in to make sure that things are balanced and that things are appropriate um, errors are made, and they learn from those. And so um, the ratings that are out there um, are very strong. There is the detail to back those up and why they have reached the conclusions they have, and it should definitely give security to an individual to know that a company is a triple-A-rated company that's going to stand behind the obligations for as long as they shall run, which could be a lifetime. Well, absolutely. And I think if there's any message coming out of today, it's, you know, there are strong companies out there that people can rely on when they, when they buy these annuities. And certainly in this marketplace, I'm not sure if there's, I'm not sure if there's any other place uh, that I would rather have my money. And uh, I think that's what we try to tell these clients and uh, hopefully they'll listen. Well, let's take a short break right now. And when we return, we'll talk more about the importance of financial strength in the insurance industry with our very special guests, Ron McHugh and Betty Gregware from John Hancock. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, quite simply the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, 
Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Including Ringler Radio. Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's CLEcenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. All right, welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen. I'd like to welcome back our guest, Ron McHugh, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Fixed Products for John Hancock Financial Services, and Betty Gregware, Sales Executive and Certified Structured Settlement Consultant with John Hancock Structured Settlements. Betty, you got that out at Notre Dame, I assume. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. That was a lot of fun out there, and uh, it was hard work for a weekend, but I certainly enjoyed that campus. Very rewarding experience. It was. Well, Ron, you you touched on uh, what I think you called enterprise risk management or something about managing the risk profile and financial flexibility of, of, of a company. Expand on this uh, enterprise risk management concept. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, and uh, I think the rating agencies touch on and they evaluate a company's enterprise risk management, but it's really how the corporation or the enterprise manages risk. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's evaluated in a number of uh, different ways. Uh, but and, and I can actually give you a pretty good uh, uh, a contrast on how it was done at John Hancock uh, prior to the merger with Manulife and a little bit on how it was done afterwards. Yeah, that would be helpful. To, to give you uh, some sense of... Uh, of why it's how it's different, but when the rating agencies look at it, they look at it a, a number of uh, different things. Uh, but in order to get their highest rating, which is an excellent rating, uh, they want you to have all of the criterion that a strong program would have. They want you to be more advanced than the other, more developed, uh, have it be fully implemented. And what they really mean is really have it be part of the culture of the company. And, and really, that's that's where I see uh, something there. And then they have other ratings beyond the excellent ratings, such as. Uh, strong, adequate, or weak. And uh, we're actually rated excellent in this category. Matter of fact, I think of all the companies they rate, we're pretty much uh, stacked at the very top. Well, Betty, tell me about that. From a from the standpoint of someone who is dealing with structured settlements in the marketplace, you're, you're representing a company, John Hancock, that has certain ratings and certain strengths. Uh, how do you how do you deal with those in the marketplace and and when you're confronted with these issues, things about, for example, the size and diversity of Hancock, how it compares? What are the selling points you use when you talk about John Hancock? The selling points definitely are the strengths that John Hancock has attained in achieving um, in two from two of the rating agencies the highest ratings available. With Standard and Poor's, they're a triple A. With AM Best, they are A plus plus. Those are both the top for those two rating agencies. With Moody's and with Fitch, they have attained the second highest 
category. And uh, with uh, Moody's, they are an AA1, and with Fitch, they are an AA-plus rated company. That is extremely important, important in the structured settlement industry because, as you know, this funding vehicle provides favorable tax treatment to the injured party, mm-hmm. but they are not the owner of that policy. Right. So they have to look to the strength of the company who's standing behind those obligations to provide them um, possibly for the rest of their lives. So those ratings are paramount. They are very significant into who they're looking to when they're resolving their claim, what company is going to be standing behind those future obligations. No question about that. In fact, uh, we can all remember the last few years, in fact, ever since I've been in the business for quite a while, it was always more the question of what's the internal rate of return? What am I getting for my for my uh, return? And and comparing that with other returns, and that was the big the big comparison point. Today, I'm not hearing so much about that. I'm hearing more about ratings and security and stability, uh, and, and the rates of return are somewhat secondary in, in people's minds, but but not totally out of the picture. So, how has this environment affected your rates of return on the products you sell? The environment definitely has had an impact on the rate of return um, by pressing it down um, just because of the financial um, impact of everything that's happening. But definitely when you look at your 401k statement and you look at the funding vehicles and the options they have out there, um, the rates of return of the other um, vehicles that they could choose, um, if they went into the stock market or if they went into their local bank, what they could get back. Um, is a very different story. You can't guarantee what can happen in the stock market, and that's been a very scary environment for everyone. The banks are notoriously right now at a very, very low rate of return in what they're providing. So the rates of return on the structured settlements right now look very good in the industry as to what can be provided. You know, it's interesting. I had someone tell me, uh, because I was asking them about how concerned they were about rates of return, and, and, and very candidly, the person said, hey, if I can just get my principal back at the end, I'll be thrilled. Forget about making any money on the deal. So, I mean, people are really concerned about, are they going to see the money? Are they going to see whatever this contract says they're going to get? Uh, and, you know, a lot of people look to what we call guarantees on the back end, or how is how are we going to be assured that that let's say, and use Hancock as the example, Hancock is going to come through. What, uh, what other vehicles do you, do, you, do you use to help satisfy someone's concern about that in terms of when you write a, a, an annuity contract with Hancock, how the so-called guarantee process might work, Betty? The, they do receive a guarantee because the assignment um, from the assignor, the original obligor, transfers to a third party to follow Section 130 of the Internal Revenue Code. The assignee takes on those future obligations, and they purchase the annuity from John Hancock Life Insurance Company. John Hancock Life Insurance Company does provide a guarantee standing behind that assignee's future obligations, which is John Hancock Assignment Company. Right. And that's a very strong position to be in, to have the, uh, the major life company with the strong ratings backing up the assignment company. Absolutely. So they have the strength of those ratings that I um, shared previously. And in, in times like this, I know, uh, you know, security is critical and rates of return are perhaps less so, but, but still important. But what about things like customer service and, and the way you, the company handles the day-to-day business of, uh, of providing service to the brokers and to the clients? 
John Hancock provides um, outstanding customer service uh, to the brokers who provide this product and also to the customers. The majority of the sales that happen for John Hancock are done on daily rates. They have an active pulse on the current market conditions, and they provide that benefit to the brokers who are um, facilitating this claim resolution tool. So they actively stay on track with what is happening every day to provide the best possible benefit to them um, in using this tool in their claim facilitation. And that's an important point, Betty, for the audience, because even though rates are published on a uh, regular basis, you know, the market is so volatile in terms of its ups and downs that we as brokers call the uh, the life companies every day when, when we have a particular case to see if there is such a thing as a daily rate that can improve what's currently in the books for us to look at. So I think, yeah, you're very, you're very uh, on top of that, as, as a lot of companies are. And I think that's very important for, for the industry, that, that we're responding to, uh, to these changing market conditions constantly. Well, Ron, uh, anything you want to add about uh, Hancock and its stature and status in the industry? Um, well, you know, I think uh, we have a plan on really trying to be one of the top players in the industry, uh, really try to get into that top five uh, uh, category and uh, really try to stay there. And uh, I also want to take the opportunity to thank uh, thank Ringler for the business. Uh, we really appreciate the business and uh, really look forward to working together on trying to grow that business. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, we're all in this together, as we say, and uh, we're going to have to weather all these storms uh, in the same big boat. And hopefully we'll all come out uh, on a better shore. Well, Ron and Betty, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, uh, Ron, how would they do that? Uh, well, I try my uh, uh, phone number. Uh, my phone number is area code 617-663-4701, or they could email me at uh, rmchugh, M-C-H-U-G-H, at jhancock.com. Great. And how about you, Betty? My direct line is 804 784 0823, or my email is bgregware, G-R-E-G-W-A-R-E, at jhancock.com. Well, great. And thank you again for joining us today. And in case you're a first-time listener, you should know that every Ringler Radio Show can be downloaded from our website, ringlerassociates.com, or from the legaltalknetwork.com. Or you can also download it from iTunes, which is pretty snazzy. Again, I want to thank you all for listening. Now go out. And have a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock and Prudential. Ring the Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network.